Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the podcast. I am Chris Graham. It is Monday. We talk NASCAR uh, on Mondays with Rod Mullins. And Rod, special day for you, big guy. Today is your birthday. Happy birthday, man. I oh, appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Uh, you know, it doesn't feel like I'm 57, but then again, it feels like I'm 107 sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, other than that, I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully you have some plans or some good plans. I know it's a weeknight and you got school, but uh, right. uh, maybe maybe you can have some fun there. Um, let's talk about the Texas race, a fourth race uh, in the playoffs this year, first of the second round of the playoffs. We still do not have a playoff driver record a win in any of these races. Tyler Reddick gets the checkered flag on Sunday. Uh, he barely beats, well, not barely, 1.19 seconds in a NASCAR race is a, is a pretty good win. Joey Logano to the line. Logano takes the lead in the playoffs mm-hmm. with the win, but Reddick gets the win. Uh, take us into uh, the race yesterday and, and how those guys did and others did as well. Well, I will just say this. They had some issues yesterday, no doubt about it. Tyler Reddick had some issues. He said to the media afterwards, he said, I'm not going to lie, we had issues uh, from setbacks on pit road, a mishap there, vibrations in the number eight Chevrolet, holding off Logano. There were tire issues going on for a lot of the other teams on Sunday. Then you just had Chase Elliott gets uh, reduced. He had finally taken over the points. It went back to the top of the points. And then he gets knocked back down after he hits the wall. And then after he hits the wall, car gets on fire. We have another thing of issues again of where we're moving away from well, listening to Kevin Harvick's um, supposed comment of cheap ass parts now it's beginning to look like it's a very very distinct possibility there are some problems with this uh, next generation car and especially the parts right now what's going on and then we have another chapter in the um how can we say this the denny hamlin versus whoever feud uh it seems like denny hamlin has you know if let's let's go back and let's look at this in our in the right way you know, in, in this day and age in which we live, you know, we have become such a panic-driven society that if a child is writing down names on a desk or a piece of paper and it's immediately told to the teacher that they're creating a hit list, you know, they get in trouble for it. Denny Hamlin pretty much just says on the air yesterday during the broadcast, he says, just William Byron, just another person to add to my list. I know what's going to happen. They've got it coming to them later on. So, I mean, it's kind of like you're making a threat out there, but the thing is, will you follow through on the threat? Uh, That's where the big question remains to be seen. So a lot of action yesterday at Texas, no doubt about it in this, uh, in this race as we're starting to count it down a little bit more, we get ready to go to Talladega this week. And I'm sure there's going to be some teams. that's going to take a hit there before it's over with. For all those issues, the end had a pretty good clean run, uh, twenty plus mm-hmm. laps uh, in green under green. So um, you had uh, you had some good racing there at the end. Uh, so Reddick gets the win, and then Logano now has the lead in the playoff standings by twelve points over Ross Chastain. You mentioned Chase Elliott; he's all the way down in seventh, and he's just a few points mm-hmm. above the cutoff line. Now there's a couple races still to go uh, right. in this round of the playoffs, but you know I remember talking Rod when we were getting ready to preview the playoffs that Chase Elliott, of course, he'd had the lead for so long this season. Mm-hmm. But his last three or four races before the playoffs, he had been, you know, kind of running back in the pack a bit, uh, maybe coasting a bit, getting ready for the playoffs. Boy, right. he's, he's in danger zone right now. 
Yeah, he is. He's in danger zone. And, you know, there's several others. But now he's first and foremost the one that I have to point out and say, like you just did, uh, he's in that danger zone. If he gets kicked out of there, no more for him the rest of the season. And I know we're we're a little ways off. And I'm I'm wanting to say that I think by the time we get to the Roval race, that's going to be another cutoff or at least close to another cutoff right there. So he's got Talladega to try to prove himself. And then if that doesn't happen, he, he can at least kind of fall back on the Roval. But, yeah, you know, I'm like you. Uh, I think he was coasting there for a while. I don't know if the team, if Hendrick Motorsports, if they thought that it's going to be an easy shoe-in. I don't know. I mean, this has just been a season that I can't exactly explain. And and Tyler Reddick, you know, we talked about here about a week or so ago, two weeks ago, of Kyle Busch um, essentially giving the middle finger to Joe Gibbs Racing with two rings on his hand, uh, each hand for his middle finger. Well, now, folks, I'm just going to give you this. Tyler Reddick essentially just gave a middle finger to Richard Childress even though he won the race for Richard Childress Racing, it's like, yeah, you're going to miss me. You've got one more year. You're going to miss me, though, before it's over with, because he has been probably Mr. Consistent for that team, that race team all season. And even though he and Austin Dillon got knocked out of the playoffs, um, you know, he's still got a point to prove is what he's out there to do. You talk about Mr. Consistent, at least for the first three uh, races in the playoffs, Christopher Bell had been Mr. Consistent. Uh, he had had the best showing among the playoff drivers. I think three top fives uh, among a playoff field where the guys were all over the place in those first three rounds, first three races. Um, he had issues yesterday and, and didn't finish the race. He ended up dropping all the way down to 11. So he had moved his way up to sixth, but now he's on the wrong side of the cutoff line. Yeah. And, and, you know, they had tire issues yesterday and, you know, this is right now, this has been the second week in a row. Goodyear's had tire problems first at Bristol last week, and now they're having them at Texas. Now, given some of the race teams have said they wish they'd just go ahead, tear up Texas, go completely start all over, and kind of bank the track or at least make the track more of an Atlanta Motor Speedway. And everybody has come away satisfied with that Atlanta track. And maybe that's what Texas needs is a new configuration. Who knows? But still, it does not um, – it doesn't bode well for this tire. Whatever they're using right now, this is two weeks in a row Goodyear's had trouble. And you're at Texas. You're on a different surface. You were on concrete last week. You're on pavement this week. Something's up. And I don't know what it is. It could be all the gremlins that have just decided to attack come playoff season. They've jumped in on this with the parts problems, with the tire problems, and the way some of these teams are. But, uh, yeah, Christopher Bell, he was – you know, everybody was looking at him as maybe making that next um, exchange or that next change into uh, the next round of the playoffs and possibly giving Joe Gibbs a you know, chance at another championship, but this time with the youngest driver they have out of their stable. But not to be, not right now, if, if he's been cut to that low of a position, uh, Chase Elliott and him could be uh, on the outside looking in here in a couple of weeks. Mentioned Joey Logano's in first right now in the playoffs. Ross Chastain second. And then going through the rest of the, the, the guys, uh, uh, William Byron's in third. He's 13 points back. Uh, Kyle Larson fourth, 14 points back. Ryan Blaney's 15 back. Denny Hamlin is 22 back. Elliott's in seventh. And then Daniel Suarez, who finished in 12th place uh, yesterday. He's in eighth. And they're both 26 points back. Then you got Briscoe, Cindric, Bell, Bowman in the top 12. 
Uh, Bowman in the 12th spot is 56 points behind the leader and 30 points out of eighth. Um, mm-hmm. Those guys in nine through 12 um, have some work to do, certainly, and have some, uh, you know, Talladega is going to be a big race for them as well. Yeah, and I mean, Talladega, we're going to be watching Talladega, and that's one we'll cover this weekend. We'll have a chance to cover it, but I tell you, Talladega is one of these things. You just don't know what to expect when you get to Talladega. I mean, you're going to have uh, a very fast racetrack, depending on what the air temperature is. Uh, I know the cars were, they said the cars were really hot yesterday. Uh, The temperatures were kind of hot down in Texas. Of course, they had a rain. They had a rain delay there that kind of pushed the uh, finish of the race into uh, later hours. But, um, you know, if they have a cool type of airflow and air down in Alabama this coming weekend with Talladega, um, we could see some fast speeds. They could be cutting through and they could be really coming up with some fast speeds. And, you know, I kind of look at that big one again. That's always the one at Daytona, this one at Talladega. And then there's so much more on the line with this. There's so much more that's on the line with this race right now. And I guess that kind of goes back full circle to what I talked about with William Byron and this Denny Hamlin issue. Um, How do you go and how do you go and supposedly spin somebody out on the caution lap and then you knock them back to where they end up something like start back something in like 20th position or somewhere in between. And then NASCAR doesn't catch it. NASCAR doesn't see it happen. That's what Denny Hamlin's upset about. Denny Hamlin thinks, you know, you don't go and hit somebody during the caution period, but there's some, there's some kind of uh, problem between those two gentlemen right now at this point. And William Byron just, I guess, was letting him know he's not going to be raced like that. And I think he said that in the quotes yesterday following the race. He says, you know, you know, I may have pushed him down or I may have shoved him down and stuff, but I didn't mean to. Oh, yeah, he didn't mean to, but that that's always comes up as a good excuse. Ross Chastain won the April race uh, at Talladega. And um, as you mentioned, uh, Rod, lots of diff- it's a different scenario here with yeah. playoff implications on the line. Hey, one other bit of NASCAR news I wanted to get into, get your thoughts on Jimmy Johnson. Now, he retired from uh-huh. NASCAR a couple of years ago, but he ran on the Indy circuit the last couple of years. Last year, uh, he limited himself to the road races. This year, he, he pretty much ran a full schedule. He announced today that he's going to retire from full-time racing. He's still got a few races he wants to do, maybe some distance races, endurance races. He maybe even he hinted that he wants to try to do the double, uh, to do the Coca-Cola 600 and the Indy 500 on Memorial Day weekend. But outside of that, he's retiring from full-time racing uh, after this year. So uh, your thoughts on Jimmy Johnson and, uh, and that news? Um, I'm not really surprised. I don't think his venture into IndyCar maybe was as good as what he hoped it would be. Um, This is the thing of where I guess it finally proves that NASCAR, stock car drivers, can exactly, sometimes they can, sometimes they can't, but it's it's a different world from what it used to be with Mario Andretti and some of these guys, A.J. Foyt coming over from the IndyCar series and then going into a NASCAR and racing on, uh, you know, say a July 4th weekend or something at Daytona. It's a much different sport. And uh, Jimmy Johnson, I just don't think was maybe prepared. I think the, the, the curve level, what he needed, just wasn't there. I believe he could have possibly stayed in it. But um, 
something just didn't gel right. I don't know what it was. Something just wasn't working right there at the uh, there on the IndyCar circuit. And yeah, there's talk right now that he may run in that uh, 24 hour of uh, 24 hour of Le Mans. That may be one possibility there. And then plus that Indian Coca Cola thing, he'd like to do that. But then. Who else is thinking about doing it? Kyle Busch is also thinking about doing it as well. So they say they have a car ready for him, for Kyle Busch, when he decides to run next year. They just haven't announced who it's going to be. So a little bit of a disappointment to hear that from Jimmy Johnson. But, um, you know, I can kind of see his, his point. He wants to get, uh, get away, spend time with his family, be a little bit more select with what he's doing. Um, yeah, I mean, when you've won what seven championships when you've six or seven championships like he has um you kind of don't feel like you need to prove yourself anymore maybe he did with indycar uh, maybe he felt like he needed to prove himself once again after everything was all said and done with hendrick motorsports but uh i don't think he did i think he just maybe should have ran a select amount of races and then just tried to see what he could do with them maybe even try one of those you know over overland truck races like Robbie Gordon and them used to the the endurance races off into um over in Africa running those big races they have over there that might have been a possibility for him but you know I, I I just look at it this way that yeah it was probably time he needed to just go ahead and and pull out and that's what he's done only two top 10 finishes this year for him on the Indy circuit yeah. and one fifth place finish that was his best finish this uh, in, in the two years that was mm-hmm. in Iowa um, so big surprise there. Hey, you know, you mentioned uh, Kyle Busch uh, interested in running and, and has permission to to run both um, mm-hmm. the Coca-Cola 600 and the Indy 500 uh, next year. If you can find a ride on the um, Indy circuit. Um, I was doing some research on that. Only one guy finished both those races in the one day. And it was he did it twice. Tony Elliott back in 99 and 2001. And he actually did pretty well in those races, too. A few other guys have tried it, but um but not a lot of success. The last guy to actually try it was uh, Kyle Busch's brother, Kurt, back in 2014. Right. So um, if, if either one or both those guys is able to do it next year, um, they've got a lot of work on their hands, obviously. It, it, the endurance of, I mean, one 600-mile race, another 500-mile race, you got to fly back from, you got to fly from mm-hmm. one or the other. Uh, it's quite a grueling challenge. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I think you mentioned uh, Tony Stewart in there. And Tony. Tony Stewart did race that, and he did race it. And uh, there was a difference, though. He'd been an open wheel driver. That's true. Uh, he'd been an open wheel driver, and that kind of was a plus for him. He had advantages there, and he was learning NASCAR. NASCAR was still at that point, I think, when he did that in 2001. He did it twice, but you know, that's when the cars could still be, you know, tuned a certain way and they could be adjusted a certain way. Now you don't have that with the next generation car as much. So we're going to see how that goes this time around for Kyle Busch. I'm not saying he can't pull it off. I think he can, but uh, I think that Kyle's probably going to run into a little bit more difficulty the same way that I kind of still point this out all the time, and that is Danny Sullivan, Al Unser Jr., Little Al, and some of these other drivers who thought they could make the transition over to NASCAR, especially at the Brickyard 400 race, and they tried that and they couldn't pull it off. Uh, so there's a difference in driving in an open wheel Indy car and then stock car. There's a big difference between the two. You're scrunched in, and that's about the best way I can describe it in a uh, Indy car. You're scrunched in sort of like a sardine in a can is the way you are. I mean, you there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, you're under 
all of this for protection in there underneath uh, underneath that little canopy that they've added now that kind of protects you just in case a car goes airborne over top of you. But still, you don't have a whole lot of room to move. The only thing is your hands are kind of up like this and you can't, you're not doing much with your elbows. Your elbows are up against your body. And so here it is. The only thing that happens if you're about to hit the wall, if you can do it at 200 miles an hour, it's like Danica Patrick said, you have to go like this, cross your arms almost completely, take your hands off the wheel, and then boom, you go into the wall. But you don't have a whole lot of room. And um, with that, I think there's a little bit more open cockpit, so to speak, in those uh, car in that uh, next generation car as well as the stock car. You got a little bit more of a chance to move, but then you're kind of confined by that seat. There are so many differences. I mean, it's uh, the weight, uh, the speed, the type of engine they have in there. Um, I, I wonder what it would be if they put one of those engines from a Indy car and could adapt it and put it into a NASCAR stock car. I wonder what. I, I just wonder what would happen. But uh, yeah, I just uh, I don't know. Kyle Busch may be able to pull off the feet. Um, I don't know if he can or not. John Andretti tried it at one time. I know he raced uh, one time. I think Richard Petty gave him his blessing, and he was able to race and then made the trip down. But it's like a, um, gosh, if they're full throttle coming out of Indy to get to Charlotte, I think it's about a two-hour flight, something like that, about a two-hour flight. So when the race ends, you're barely getting there about the time that before the race starts three hours probably at the most and you're getting there you've been in the air you've not been moving around too much and you're still trying to get loosened up for this challenge for 600 miles down at charlotte um indy is nothing compared to what charlotte is in the 600 i mean that's 600 miles that's the longest race on the circuit and you you best be in good shape if you're going to pull it off and uh, kyle bush is going to have to be in that kind of shape before he's able to pull this off uh, one more question we'll let you go, and it's a non-NASCAR question. Uh, you live down in the tri-state tri area. Uh, how, 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 it's, how is it with uh, – how are the fans of Kentucky and Tennessee faring? Uh, they're both in the top ten now. <laughs> this crazy world we live in, Kentucky and Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee's been there. It's been a while since they've been there. I don't know if Kentucky's ever been ranked as high. So uh, what's, what's it like down your way with the fans of those two schools? And how, how, how can you stand being around those people? I'm sure they're all crowing right now. Well, I can tell you this. I can sure tolerate the Tennessee fans a lot better now than what I could because I watched the game on Saturday between Florida and Tennessee. And I'm telling you, Florida was not that good. Tennessee at times was not that, was not that good, especially – in the last part of the game where they almost ended up giving the game back to Florida. But, uh, you know, living with the Tennessee fans is, is not too bad right now. It's the tech fans that are just going crazy down here over the fact of here we are, we can't win another game here. We can't beat West Virginia. We should have beat West Virginia this time around. And I was telling some people the other day, I said, I don't think you're going to beat West Virginia. I think West Virginia is probably a very underrated team that's, you know, that's, they're going to earn their due is what they're going to do. And they did. They went out there 30, what was 33-10, I think, was the final score on that one. But the, uh, the Tennessee game was just unreal. Now, as for Kentucky, you know, Kentucky is talking about football, but there are people on the Virginia-Tennessee side. I think the Tennessee fans are starting to get a little bit uneasy because that battle late in the season 
that could be a big one. If these guys come out uh, with a lot of wins and uh, Tennessee's able to get past LSU, Georgia, and Alabama, those games especially, uh, you know, Kentucky's still got some challenges left to go. But if they get down to where it's close and they're still ranked top 10, oh, my gosh, it's going to be like a national championship between those two teams. Um, you know, that's, that's going to be it. You've had people down here in this part of Virginia that have converted over, and this is no joke. I know one couple, um, monitor them, and watch them on Facebook a little bit. I coached her when she was in softball, but they have converted over to Tennessee, and I was in shock. They were as Virginia Tech as you could possibly get. I mean, hokey, hokey, hokey high. That's the way they were. And then last year, I don't know what happened, but it was like we're trading everything in. And then I see them pictures, selfies at Neyland Stadium this past weekend, and there they are in Tennessee orange. And I'm like, I thought this was a joke. I, there's no way I could have thought that they would ever leave Virginia Tech, but they did. And maybe so there's some people. Yeah, there are people that's kind of switching over to the other side of the fence now. Maybe Hendon Hooker fans. Hooker transferred from uh, Virginia Tech, and he threw for 342 yards, th- uh, ran for 113. He's a Heisman Trophy candidate. Yep. And Virginia Tech fans missed the crap out of him. Uh, well, uh, they pre- do. Previous coach ran him off, and now he's doing great down at Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think that uh, um, Josh Heupel's offense – uh, and Josh Heupel thinks like a quarterback because he played quarterback. And, you know, what shocked me the other night was uh, sitting on television of the, um, the Heisman Trophy and who was the second runner-up in points for the Heisman Trophy. I think uh, Chris Wanky that year for Florida State, Josh Heupel. Yeah. And I was shocked. I saw him there and I was like, oh, my gosh, he's thin. He's thin. He's so young and stuff. And then here he is at Tennessee and – I think they keep on talking about the fact that he is just a all-around good coach. He's a quarterback's coach because he is finding what Hendon Hooker needs to go and do in order to pull off wins and games. And, I mean, knock on wood, he hasn't thrown an interception this season. And uh, so far he's been dead on target. If, if the possibility of a play starts falling apart, he takes off and he runs. I think that's what's what credit is. Uh, he's kind of being like Tennessee's version of Michael Vick is kind of what he reminds me of running the offense and still being able to go out there and say, let's do it this way. Let's be calm and let's do it this way. So, uh, yeah, we've got some people down here that are uh, looking forward to this. Uh, they're tickled uh, with especially some of them, a lot of people with Tennessee. Um, you know, Virginia Tech is, is having a rough go of it so far. You don't hear much from the tennis or from the uh, tech fans because um, I think the bandwagon jumpers are the kind of people that just kind of go and when they're losing, they don't want to talk about it. They're ready to go and start looking at somebody else for the rest of the season. So that's the way it goes. I just hate that uh, UVA uh, lost over the weekend and stuff. And that, that just kind of, you know, considering I thought they were in trouble, I thought this is going to be a blowout, but they managed to get it back together. But I can see clearly what some of the things you've been talking about in articles and other things of Brennan Armstrong. I just don't think uh, Brennan Armstrong, they should have never thrown out the offense, so to speak, that he was generating all those points with and the ability to connect on passes from last year. I think they should have done something. But, you know, I mean, it's it's his new program. Uh, they changed it. They changed it. Now Armstrong's suffering out of it. 
he could have probably been a Heisman contender this year. Yeah, yeah. I think I called Tony Stewart, Tony Elliott for that reason. I was, I was thinking of Chase Elliott, a bunch of Tonys. So, yeah, Virginia coach Tony Elliott's first year. Hey, uh, the, a lot of these fans are probably becoming uh, NASCAR fans. And the NASCAR race is weekend Sunday at 2 o'clock on NBC. Right. And uh, we'll uh, ch- check out Augusta Free Press for coverage. Rot, as always, thank you for your time. And again, happy birthday, big guy. I appreciate it. Thanks, Chris.